Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Articulate BJJ podcast. Today I wanted to make a follow-up podcast um, to an earlier episode where I discussed what makes a good teacher. Um, I realized I never got around to making a kind of companion podcast to it about what makes a good student. So today I wanted to cover and discuss some of the traits that we all as students and uh, lifelong learners should be thinking about kind of uh, modeling as we go about learning anything, whether that is um, jiu-jitsu, grappling, any martial art, or um, anything in our wider lives. So I'm just going to dive straight into it because there's quite a lot to cover here. Um, I was trying to pin down which which of the traits I feel is the most important that I've seen in, um, I guess, close to a decade of professional teaching and also, um, I suppose, half a decade of, of teaching grappling as well. But I think the most important thing that I can think of that makes a good student is um, how a person seeks out targeted feedback. This would be one of the highest priority things in my mind um, that a student can do, A, for their own personal improvement in whatever pursuit, but also how well they do it can directly impact the quality of the learning that they have in any given situation. So seeking targeted feedback is not a case of just going, um, how did I perform in this task? Um, now, you know, that might be writing an essay um, and getting your teacher's feedback on that in an English class, um, or um, it might be, or oh, how good is my role? Um, how good did I roll when you roll with your coach or an instructor watching? Um, that is a really shit way to ask for feedback. How is How am I performing is so vague and general that your teacher will not be able to give you any kind of accurate feedback that will give you actionable data you need to be thinking about how to give targeted or ask for and receive targeted feedback right so instead of asking how was my overall performance ask specific questions like what do you think that i can do to improve x aspect of this so let's use the example of um students in a in a classroom, maybe they're writing an English essay. Um, A student asks me about their general performance. For me as a teacher, it's it's really a struggle to then give them good feedback about that task and specific feedback. And I can only say really general things, you know, like, oh yeah, in general, it's pretty good. Um, You know, I can't really make any kind of specific assessments. But let's say one of my students does say to me, hi, can you please have a look at my introduction paragraph and tell me what to work on there? Immediately, I've now focused my attention towards one piece of that whole performance and I can give direct feedback towards that thing. In terms of a jujitsu context or a grappling context, I might be saying, hey, I'm noticing that my guard is getting passed um, pretty regularly. Uh, can you have a look at my... like uh, my my X guard or my butterfly guard, one guard that I'm using when I'm rolling regularly and tell me if there's something that I, one thing I can improve from that. As an instructor or as a coach, 
That is the kind of feedback you really want to be receiving from your students. Um, it just makes it so much easier to target your, your focus in on one thing and give them some precise feedback that they can actually work with and develop. So I really can't recommend that enough for you as a student. Um, as a teacher, I should also be modeling to my students how to ask for good feedback because then I'm just actually making my own job a whole lot easier, but I'm also empowering my students to take some ownership of their learning, which we will come back to again later. As a student, you really want to be thinking analytically about your own performance. So in general, you know how your performance was. It was either good or it was shit. Um, <laughs> it's pretty much as simple as that. However, you need to look at the smaller details. What did you do right here? What do you not feel as confident with? That is what you should be asking your feedback directly about. You know, it is targeted feedback. So always, as a good student, seek out targeted feedback. That would be like the number one uh, piece of advice that I could give for someone who's looking to become a better student. The next thing um, that I think makes a good student here is someone who takes responsibility for their own learning. So they have that ownership of their learning and they hold themselves accountable for their own shortcomings. Um, so this is not saying, oh, well, you know, um, my guard got passed because my coach never shows me any guard details. Like, it's not your coach's fault that your guard got passed. It's your fault. Um, you, <laughs> you need to be thinking about how you own your knowledge and how you practice that. If you are just rolling up to class um, and just going, oh, I wonder what my professor is going to show me today. Like, or, oh, I wonder what my, my teacher is going to show me today. Um, and, you know, you haven't taken on any ownership of the task outside of that. You're not actually in a place where you have accountability for yourself and for what you've learned. I think all of the best practitioners that we see in any field um, have a strong sense of ownership, a confidence and a grasp of what they're doing. And you can only get that from really ramming home the fact that you have complete control over your own performance, whether that be something like writing or math study or whatever. It's not your teacher's fault if you fail. It's your own fault. It's a, it's a performance thing that you failed to live up to. So Failure is good, and we'll talk a little bit about that later, but you have to own those things to actually be able to grow from them. If you're just like getting trashed in every single role at the gym, even when you do know better and you should be able to put some technique on the line, um, there's probably something wrong about how you've come to own those techniques for yourself. You maybe don't, you haven't spent the time thinking about how you put a game plan together or how you should strategize and how you should be rolling. Um, you know, it, it's one thing when you're starting out and um, you, you're still learning everything and you're quite overwhelmed and you don't know what you don't know. That's different. I don't think, I don't think anyone's to blame for being in that situation. We've all been there where we literally just don't know anything and we're getting swamped by people with a greater sense of technique and knowledge. However, by the time that you're becoming a journeyman in, in your sport, in your, in your academics or whatever it is, you need to have some ownership and accountability for the things that you do know and accept what you don't 
and make sure that you understand that those are your shortcomings and not the fault of any one other person. As soon as you accept that you have control over that, you can then move forward to fill the holes in your game, fill the gaps in your knowledge, and to ask people for that targeted feedback to help you grow further. So as a good student, you have to take responsibility for your own learning, and you have to hold yourself accountable for your shortcomings. One of the other things I think makes a really good student, and um, as a teacher, you're never really prouder of a person when, when they do this. So it's when a person shows the confidence to take risks rather than doing the same easy thing over and over. So as a student, you should be trying to take risks. You should be trying to push yourself with harder and harder tasks, more and more challenging things to do. That doesn't necessarily translate in a jiu-jitsu context to having to like a compulsion to have to compete. You don't have to compete, um, but you shouldn't just be fucking flattening every white belt in the gym, every role when you've been training for six years. You can do that already. You should be looking to push yourself with challenging roles. You should not just be rolling with some poor some poor guy who's on their trial class just so you can feel good about yourself that you've achieved something that is just repeating the same easy task that's like if I um, gave my students a task in like let's say a class and they all got like a hundred percent for it you know the likelihood is that they're going to feel quite good about that task right Um, they're probably going to want to do something like that again so it's like if I do a fun pop quiz in class and they all get all the answers right, they're going to want to do that same quiz again. But like you don't learn anything from that. And it's a very shallow sense of validation for a student. So you have to have that kind of confidence to take risks. Some people will get that confidence from being supported and fostered by a coach. And some people will just actually have to step up and show it for themselves. Um, I'm kind of one of the latter. I've, I've always had supportive coaches. Um, I've always had coaches that were supporting me, whatever I decided to do. But, um, you know, it took a lot for me to just go, okay, well, I need to just actually put myself out there and compete. And, you know, as a, as a very out of shape white belt, I mean, I was, I, I walk around now at like 90 kilos after I'm fed, but you know, when I first started jujitsu, I was extremely out of shape. I was like 130 kilograms. Um, so what's that like nearly what, 260, 270 pounds. I had, yeah, it was, it was not good. <laughs> I had no technique. And for me, competition was this huge barrier in my head. I'd done it as a kid in judo and karate, but as a, as an adult, like the idea of competing was something that just didn't even register in my mind. Fortunately, I had coaches who kind of helped me to prepare for it and and fostered me along the way to the point where it was a manageable thing. And now I just really have to keep doing it for my own personal growth. So I think you have to have the kind of confidence to take risks in in your life. Um, You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a jujitsu context. Um, it could be in your job. It could be in the classroom. Uh, you know, maybe maybe you're still at school. It's it's hard and it seems very scary to fail at a task. And you'd have to be able to just try. You know, no one's ever going to knock you for trying it. It's 
Um, the students that disappoint me the most in a classroom sense, and I mean that that's a harsh way to put it. Like I'm not, I don't take it personally when students fail. But um, if if a student doesn't ever try and they just kind of switch off, that's kind of like the biggest failure for me as a teacher because I'm like, what haven't I done to help uh, you know foster this the student's sense of confidence to try this task? You know, some people like have for personal and historical reasons, like a huge mental block around something where they just will refuse to do it, like flat out refuse um, and shut down. And that that's totally valid. But we need to find then other ways to address that. You know, that's part of that taking accountability. It's part of that desiring to grow more and to be that lifelong learner. So show that confidence. uh and and take some risks you know it doesn't have to be something huge straight away you know make small steps at a time um i if if i have a student who really struggles with public speaking i'm not about to make them stand up in front of 30 people and 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 present an uh, you know a speech um that's that would be wholly unfair and it's probably going to be the reason that in the future they don't want to do it so i might start off by doing something small like they present something in front of three other people and then they might present something in a larger group and a larger group until they feel comfortable with doing it but you know I don't need to place people in the deep end because that's how you turn people off from something make make choices around like a calculated risk you can take um, where you know there's the capacity to learn and grow but in the bigger picture, like no one's going to die from it and no one's really going to be traumatized by it. So like don't enter a white belt into a black belt tournament unless they're some freak of nature or, um, you know, some like have a legitimate wrestling career or something like that, you know. Um, as, a, as a teacher, I mean, I've already talked about like kind of my responsibility to make a student and foster an environment where a student feels comfortable enough to take risks. Um, that that's hugely important as well. Um, I can do things like, you know, if they, if they make a mistake, I don't want to be fostering an environment where that person is laughed at or ridiculed. Um, you know, it, it's one thing to have a sense of humor about it where, where, you know, if you roast a person, they're going to have a laugh. But when a person feels outright ridiculed for making a mistake, it's less likely in the future that they are either going to try or take a risk and say or do what could be the wrong thing. They're just not going to want to do that. And you're going to see a lack of contribution from that person in the future. So uh, the next thing I think that is really important that makes a good student, um, and this is really up there as well, but a good student shouldn't be seeking validation from external sources like, I shouldn't be looking for praise from my teacher. I shouldn't be doing something and purely be motivated, motivated by the fact that, you know, other people are going to celebrate it. You should instead as a good student be motivated intrinsically by what you are looking to build for yourself. So once again, we can use any example here from any kind of field, but if you if you're just doing something just to get praise from it, you aren't like really taking ownership over that. And it's also just a case of your motivations in the wrong place. 
you know, I have some students, um, you know, with in a, in a secondary school context where they're just, they're there to get the credits, right? Um, and you can tell, you know, there's, there's a bit of a different level of effort being put in. They just will sometimes do the bare minimum or they just want to know how much they've got to do to pass. And that student is already kind of checked out mentally. Um, they're not emotionally invested in it. They um, will often defer to you for help. Um, you know, they're going to defer to you for feedback. They are going to defer to you because they just really don't want to put in any more effort to this thing than they have to. The problem with this is that you're not really learning. You, you're not being a student if that's the case. You're literally just kind of a drone in a, in a seat or, you know, you're just a body on the mat. You have to be in some way intrinsically motivated to continue doing this thing because otherwise you're not going to be sticking at it forever. Um, you know, compulsory schooling is one thing, but you know, when we have students who drop out from university, that's a good example, you know, like, oh, well, you know, I've only come to university to get the degree that my parents wanted me to get. Um, I'm here to make sure that I make them happy. That's an extrinsic motivator. Um, it's not the same as going, oh, well, I came here because I'm interested in this topic and I like will find fulfillment for myself in, in pursuing this career path. That's completely different. That is an ownership um, based kind of narrative. And you have to you have to have that for yourself as a student. It's super important that you understand what drives you to keep coming back to something like I know with with my own training, the thing that motivates me is my ability to improve and also to like open up my understanding of myself, how I respond to situations, how I can put myself in more stressful situations so that I can build resilience for myself or how, um, you know, I can learn lessons on the mat that I can translate then back to the classroom because, you know, that's kind of a big learning curve for me is there's so many things I learned doing jujitsu that apply to my larger life. Um, and I guess that is the one, one of the main reasons that I keep coming back, um, is because for me, that leads to a huge sense of fulfillment inside myself. I'm not doing it because, um, I like getting likes on Instagram or I'm not doing it because I, um, get told every day, oh, you know, that you, you're doing so well. Like those external factors should not have an impact on your day-to-day -day performance. It, it, you know, that is only going to get you so far anyway. And um, a lot of the time we end up burning out because we're trying to seek people's approval all the time. Um, and it leads to this very kind of external facade that we create, um, which is a very, well, it's impossible to maintain all the time. So just don't do it that way. Look to just find out why you want to do something and keep doing it that way. The way that I as a teacher would try to do that for my students is to try and connect it to their own personal life. You know, um, working in secondary education, you, uh, you don't have a choice of being there. Like my students are there because they have to be until they are 16 years old. 
Um, most of them are there because they have to be until they're 18 years old because their parents have expectations for them. However, as a teacher, I have to try and link what we're doing to some kind of relevance in their life context. So, okay, what does a 13 to 18 year old um, value or prioritize in their life? Okay, well, they're probably thinking in some way about their career, um, you know, where they want to end up in life, uh, you know, maybe some traveling, you know, they've got different priorities in their head. For me as their teacher, I have to try and link what I'm doing to the importance of that subject for their life. That will help them and their kind of developing brains to understand that, oh, you know, I can actually find fulfillment in my own life if I learn how to do this thing that he's talking about. I can do the same thing on the mats, you know, like, hey, whether you've come to class to learn self-defense, whether you want to compete or whatever, this is a valuable thing for you to learn because. So I put an intention to it and I have outcomes there that show my students what it is they're going to be taking away from a class every time. It directly shows that there is this uh, huge internal validation for them from every class and there's value in everything they learn. So that one's, uh, yeah, we want intrinsic motivation. We don't want extrinsic motivation. As a student, don't just do things because it makes other people say nice things about you. Do things because it makes you say nice things about yourself inside. Uh, let's go on to the next one. You need to embrace the learning process as a student. The learning process is complicated. It's long. Um, at times we experience failure. We can be demoralized. And then, you know, it can sometimes be one of the most rewarding and memorable experiences of our lives. Regardless of that, we just have to sit with ourselves as a student and accept that there are things that we don't know and there are things that we know that are of value as well. But we need to embrace the fact that our teacher is going to direct us in the best possible way that they know with the best possible intentions, or at least they should be. If you feel like your teacher or your coach or your instructor doesn't have the best possible intentions for you, you should probably find another one. So what I mean by embracing the learning process is not just like, I mean, all of the aspects we've talked about are part of it, but it's not just being this physical presence in a classroom. You know, anyone can just come in and sit down and be there for an hour and then leave. But, you know, that's not what this is about. You're turning your brain on, you're listening, you're being conscious you're absorbing information and you are trying to build some understanding and some connection about what this, what this information means. That is what it means to embrace the learning process. The other points that I talk about here are related to this. So it'll probably make a little bit more sense once I, once I develop those a little bit as well. Um, we need to do things like be a good training partner or be a good like contributing member of the classroom, right? So what, how this looks is, you know, if we're drilling, let's say in a jujitsu context, we're drilling, I'm not just some like dead body or like, I mean, you know, I could just get, go and get a grappling dummy in that case. If, if a person's just going to be limp and kind of mentally checks out while I'm doing my reps and then they kind of just 
move their body through the motions and then yeah okay cool now you get your reps you know it's it's unmotivating for the other person as well when you do it that way if you're just going to be a grappling dummy just stay at home really you've kind of you're wasting another person's time so if you come to class you need to understand that it's not about you anymore you are there to help the rest of the class just as much as you are learning for yourself and you have to learn to be a good training partner this includes obvious things like not trying to hurt someone or not intentionally trying to injure a training partner you'd be surprised at how many scumbags still try to do that um you know if you're not in a mentally stable place um a combat sport may seem like a haven for you but it's really not so if you're not in a good mental state for training stay home until you feel better and you're confident that you're not just going to go and take out your day's rage on some poor motherfucker in the class who showed up trying to learn something that is not what a good student is that's not a good training partner we need to understand that when you go to the gym you are now part of somebody else's learning process as well their entire experience of that class may hinge upon how well or badly you interact with them in a contributing learning manner so if you come in there unwilling to learn and you come in there with some kind of agenda to win every role or to not work on technique but to just try goon out on your teammates that's not being a good training partner you should be looking to contribute to the class in some kind of constructive way whether that's being a good person to drill with you know maybe you're too injured to roll that's totally fine maybe it's your second or third training for the day that's all good do what you can and try to help others as much as you can in a constructive way um you know maybe it's you're coming onto the mats literally just to get some stretching time in um but you could maybe just have a nice conversation with a person who's had a really tough day or you know you're kind of having a bit of a debrief with your training partners who haven't seen you those kind of things are really helpful if you're in the class and you're present you need to find some ways that you can contribute positively to that i see this often in like a you know just a a secondary school context where i have students who come to class and they think oh well i'm being a good student because i'm just sitting here and listening politely but if i'm teaching a class where i need them to discuss ideas and share ideas and you know they kind of shut down and in a group of three they don't say anything they've actually been actively detrimental to the learning of the other two people in that group of three so i cannot like as a teacher allow that person to like negatively affect the learning of others i need to kind of try and get next to that person have a talk to them like oh hey i see you haven't really um contributed any ideas what are your thoughts on this kind of try and pull those things out of them um if i see someone just kind of being the the dummy like the grappling dummy where they just kind of limp and just letting things do go you know hey maybe just give them like a little bit of resistance so that they know give them some feedback you know is that armbar tight or is that uh, submission tight let them know if that's working um, and, and try to give them some sense of direction with their training if you're a teacher and you see someone gooning out on students and intentionally injuring them 
why are you letting this person keep coming back to your gym and keep injuring the people that are paying you to stay open? You probably need to address that as well. So one of our last two uh, things on the list here as well is being reliable and being consistent. Look, you don't have to train every day. Some people do because they need to or because they can or they like to, and that's fine. Um, But if you are training two or three times a week, make sure that you consistently train two to three times a week without fail. Try to be reliable and consistent because it's not just for grading purposes. It's not just so you can get a nice colored belt. Showing up is more about the other people that come to rely on you in the gym, okay? Some people expect you to be there. You know, your teacher's probably looking to go, oh, he's missing today. Damn, I really wanted to use him as an UK or I wanted to see how he was improving um, so that I can see what I wanted to change in the curriculum or where I wanted to take the class next. You become part of this uh, kind of feedback loop in a classroom. And if you're not there, well, A, you're not going to be learning or improving, but you're also not creating a healthy routine for yourself. So you have to be reliable. You have to be consistent. You can't just be like, oh, you know, well, I just, I feel like training this week, but I haven't been in the last month and expect to go in and be UFC champion or like even just to win a role. Like, uh, you know, you're not going (laughs) to... consistency is going to be the only thing that gets you far in any learning process. Consistently coming back to an idea that you're struggling with. Consistently dealing with techniques that you're struggling with. Uh, Consistently practicing a skill that you're not good at. You know, consistency is the only thing that you have if you don't have talent, right? You have the choice to come in and work on it again and again and again. As someone who isn't physically talented or wasn't physically talented, I only have been able to achieve any of the things that I've achieved, whether that's yeah, teaching or grappling, by being consistent, by coming in and training every day, making sure that even on the days I felt like shit, I was still in the gym trying to work on things. You just have to do it. It's, um, it's the only real way to take full accountability for yourself. I train every day when I can because I like to, because I enjoy it and it makes me feel healthy. When I started out, I was only doing like maybe three or four times a week max because it's all my body could handle. But, you know, as you get fitter, you might find different things. Um, So, yeah, you you need to be a reliable and consistent person in the class. Otherwise, you're not improving for yourself. Also, as a teacher... When I see unreliable and inconsistent students in my class, immediately I I think on a resource base, okay? I have an hour with these students. Who am I going to put my time into and how can I split my time for everyone? Well, I don't even know that person's name because they only come once every two months. I doubt I'm going to give them enough time um, to really master this kind of thing. However, here's one of my students who's here every day. They're asking for feedback. Um, they listen and they're present in class. Guess who's going to get more time from a teacher? It's just basic like psychology here, right? 
why would you go and give resources to something where it's just going to be a waste of your time where you can actually create effect and change immediately for this person who is here all the time giving of themselves and embracing the learning it's pretty obvious you and we we've talked about this a little bit already but you need to be more than just physically present on the mats don't just be the grappling dummy on the mats excuse me you have to understand that when you go to class uh, to learn something or whether you're going to the gym to train or whether you are sitting down uh, to master a skill you have to be more than just physically going through the motions you have to turn your brain on you have to listen you have to talk about things you have to try and give people feedback and i can't just be there as like some robot physically trying to do the task you know um your teacher's not going to say okay we'll do this okay we'll do that they're not going to coach you through every single movement and if you are just there physically that is what you're relying on you're relying on some external input to tell you how to do everything unfortunately nothing in life is going to work like that except maybe the most mediocre job that you can imagine but you need to have your brain turned on and you need to have a mental sense of what you want to achieve in the training room what you want to achieve in a class that day and what you want to take out of it the lessons that you waste are the ones where you just rock up and go through the motions you may as well have stayed home okay the ones where you can get yourself to class and you have that mental wherewithal like the mental kind of you know awareness of what you're doing you can grow from you're going to bank those rounds of training that you're doing you're going to bank the repetitions that you're doing you're going to store that as data and you can use that to analyze and develop where you want to go further from that so team i've talked about quite a lot today um i'm I'm hesitant that i've probably ranted on some of these topics a little bit more than others But in short, the things that we've looked at is seeking out targeted feedback. That is hugely important as a good student. You have to take responsibility for your own learning and you have to hold yourselves accountable for your shortcomings. You need to show confidence to take risks rather than doing the same easy thing over and over. You need to not seek external validation through like praise or um, someone's approval instead you need to be motivated intrinsically and look for self-satisfaction and fulfillment for motivation you need to embrace the learning process and accept that there are things that you just don't know you need to be a good training partner to others by contributing to the class you need to be reliable and consistent and you need to be more than just physically present on the mat or in the classroom so that's our list Uh, those are some of the things that you should be thinking about to become a better or to be a good student um yeah we've already talked about some of the things that a teacher should do to be good but you know at the end of the day you're paying money to go and learn jujitsu or you're paying money to go to university to learn a course why would you not want to get the most out of that experience otherwise just save your money go spend it on mcdonald's go buy a pizza Uh, and you know it's just like you know if you're putting the resources into it just do right by yourself and and try to try to get the most out of that experience that's that's really what this is about 
um, take take ownership and and grab that opportunity and use it. So that kind of concludes the the bulk of the podcast. Um, as I decided to do, um, as I agreed to do, um, at the end of every episode, I'd do a little uh, kind of spot on the book that I'm reading at the moment. Um, I finally finished um, George Orwell's Road to Wigan Pier. Um, it's very hard going. So unless you're looking for a piece of nonfiction um, with a very, yeah, very difficult to seize concept, um, you know, Orwell, Orwell seems to be quite conflicted about his ideas around socialism, which is what the book is mainly about, um, kind of World War Two era crisis of um, unemployment and housing problems in in Britain at the time, um, you know, it, it's pretty dense reading. Um, I'm not sure I would say I enjoyed it. I'm definitely like glad that I read it. Um, you know, there's some very good ideas in there that, yeah, you kind of see mirrored in a lot of society today. I wouldn't just say New Zealand society, but it was, it, it was an interesting read. Um, I'm, I'm still in the process. I'm about like seven chapters in, at the moment with um, Hunter S. Thompson's Hell's Angels. Um, I haven't been going slowly because it's hard reading. I absolutely love Hunter S. Thompson's style. Um, Him and Ernest Hemingway, I would say, are up there as my two favorite authors of all time. Um, So it's more just that I like to measure the pace of, of the book. And, I mean, it's such a once again there's quite a lot going on even in in a single chapter i guess that's a little bit of hunter's style but it's such a great read um so i'm really kind of drawing it out for my own enjoyment um you know obviously the hell's angels the notorious motorcycle gang um and their west coast chapters um which hunter kind of infamously penetrated um in a way that no other journalist has um, it's just really remarkable to see how, I mean, essentially Hunter's the method actor of writing, I guess, you know, he famously rewrote, um, the great Gatsby line for line, and he would rewrite on a typewriter, like Hemingway's books, like line for line. I just, um, you know, you see it so much in that kind of gonzo style, which, I mean, he's been credited so much for helping to develop, but, you know, I, I don't see how anybody else other than this absolute misfit and um, just remarkable person has kind of, yeah, penetrated into the the, the depths of a, a highly distrustful group of motorcycle outlaws. And yeah, it, it just makes for fantastic reading. His, his ability to take on their psyche and understand and sympathize with the point of view that many people just can never really look at with anything other than contempt and malice um yeah it's a real a real thought piece so i'm i'm absolutely enjoying that and i would recommend it for anyone who's kind of a fan of of uh you know non-fiction kind of fiction i suppose that you know the lines of reality are very blurred um very much kind of like if you've come out of any festival after a psychedelic experience, which, um, yeah, you're probably not the ones listening to this podcast anyway, so all good. 
Anyway, thanks so much for listening, team. Um, I hope your training is going well. I hope your learning is progressing, and I hope you find topics like this useful. Um, If it has been, please give it a like, give it a share on social media. Um, I really appreciate it. It helps me to reach a wider audience. Um, At the moment, I don't really do this for any other reason than to kind of bank my own thoughts um, and to kind of share some ideas with you. Um, uh, because, you know, uh, some of the people that I care deeply about listen to this podcast, some of the people I care deeply about don't, and that's, that's all good too, I guess, but, you know, it's just a, it's a place where I can kind of share some of the things going on in my brain, um, and who knows, that could be useful to you, so thanks again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you in the next one. Train well, train hard, train safe. Oh,